Welcome back to the Nothing But Nets podcast at Clutch Points Pod. I'm your host, Dave Early, as always, with my co-host, Greg Dennis. Greg, great to be with you. Um, we have not yet had like a basic podcast. We've never had the chance to really talk about the bench rotations. What does Paul Millsap bring in small ball versus Nick Claxton? It's always just absolute bombshell news stories. Someone's not vaccinated. Someone is Kyrie Irving. He's out for the year. He's back. The whole team has COVID. James Harden wants out. James Harden's traded. Ben Simmons here. Kevin Durant sprained his knee. Um, Every time we're about to record, I literally throw out my entire docket of things for us to talk about and just put this one bombshell news story. It's no different here. Last week, we did get the chance to talk about the James Harden trade. Since then, we've heard like the truth dump that comes from that where everyone's like, all right, I don't have to keep these secrets anymore. Let's, let's put out the, the true story of what, what happened here. Then you've got something the mayor said that makes you think the mandate change is on the way. Then you've got Cam Thomas stealing Madison Square Garden. So where are you at with it all? Dave, this is just life as a Brooklyn Nets fan in 2022. There's never a dull moment. You're at the center of the NBA universe, and there is endless content both on the court and off, and that's what we're here to unpack today. Yeah, I, I was duped. I was I sort of bought into the idea that trades, big shakeups don't happen very often, and all the Nets want to make this work. They're at least going to give it this year. So every time we talked about something like, well, they could trade Kyrie Irving, they could actually do that they could shop him for a full-time player um maybe this is the last big run of the the big three and all that felt like but probably not and all that stuff happened James Harden's out of town we had the blockbuster trade uh Bruce Brown has already talked about how there's a new post-trade deadline vibe and now everybody likes everybody he's what he said um hard not to read that as a James Harden subtweet even though I think Brown meant it more in a positive way that everyone's really happy. Everyone's relieved. They're not being traded and everyone here wants to be here. And that's no longer the case. A, a big bombshell news story from Jake Fisher, of bleacher reporter who's been all over the place this, this season um, talked about a cold war between Kevin Durant and James Harden. And I believe can't remember if we got it on the pod or we got it after the pod when we uh, rehashed, but we talked about maybe this, this doesn't fully make sense unless there was also some tension between James Harden and Kevin Durant. And that seems like um, if that was your opinion, you only scratched the tip of the iceberg because it was major. Yeah. You know, we may never know everything that went on behind closed doors, but it does seem safe based on the reports, based on, you know, what we can infer on all that we've seen and heard that whatever, Whatever good vibes and honeymoon was going on last year between Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden uh, fell, fell back down to earth in a major way uh, this season to the point where, based on the reports, Durant and Harden weren't really communicating. There was a lot of passive aggressiveness going both ways. And ultimately, they just decided it wasn't uh, tenable going forward. And here we are. Yeah. So one of the things that Fisher talked about was how you got to have Kevin Durant's blessing, which is something we would have assumed. 
uh, and they eventually got Kevin Durant's blessing. He wanted this to work with James Harden, but at some point he saw, like, I think the quote was, James isn't bringing shit. And, you know, it, it just makes you curious, was this reaction to James not bringing it or was something else going on? Um, some of the reports have talked about how James Harden felt there was preferential treatment maybe towards some of the other stars. It also talked about some of the prefer- preferential treatment he received in Houston um, that maybe he wasn't necessarily getting in Brooklyn. In, in Houston, he was the central magnate for, as a, an earlier piece by Fisher wrote. He could say, we don't want to fly out today. He could say, you know, I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to reroute through Vegas um, and I don't know that Kevin Durant was on board with all that. And I think the way James was playing sort of made it less palatable to put up with two. Then there's all the sort of understandable frustration on James Harden's end that Kyrie Irving was part-time. The interesting twist there is it sounds like Kyrie's reinstatement was even more frustrating to Harden. So you'd think, well, if he's frustrated, he's not in. Surely he'll be less frustrated with Kyrie back. And then more and more reports start to make it sound like Kyrie could be back full-time right around the time James Harden wanted out the most. So does that make you think to yourself, well, he realized Kyrie might be back, but he just didn't want to plant his flag here for the next four to five years. And then Kevin saw that Kevin Durant was like, all right, then get him out of here. You know, the whole thing doesn't totally make sense. You can talk about Kyrie's situation. You can talk about the losing streak. You can talk about whatever dynamics between Durant and Harden that were there that were less than ideal. But to me, from the outside looking in, all of those things looked very temporary. You know, yes, they were on a losing streak, but we knew Durant was coming back. Yes, Kyrie was part-time, but we all kind of could see the momentum moving towards this mandate being uh, removed. And that wouldn't be the case. So for Harden to kind of be like, to to just be so reactionary in the moment to those dynamics strikes me as a bit puzzling. Um, And on the Nets end, you know, they could have, they could have held steady and said, uh, you know, yes, these things exist. Yes. They're very frustrating. Yes. They're causing problems and tension, but we know better days are right around the corner. And instead, it goes the other way, where, you know, the Nets obviously decided that even if that were the case, and everything came together, and they had a better chance to win a championship this season, it seems like they decided, we don't think he's coming back next year. And even improving our chances this one season, where we kind of have to thread a needle, are not worth it for the possibility of losing James Harden outright for nothing. Do you buy the idea that, I mean, I guess Harden essentially bluffed that he might. Do you buy the idea that he would have dogged it the second half of the year if he stayed because he already wanted out? Or do you think Kyrie would have come back at some point full-time? It's beginning to feel, whether that's April or May or even June, I have no idea. Maybe not till next season. Um, But Kevin Durant will be back at some point. We got an update on Wednesday from Steve Nash that he doesn't expect him as soon as the Boston game after the all-star break. They don't have their hopes up that he's going to be back immediately. Um, 
but originally it was given four to six weeks and we're at pretty much the one month mark since January 15th. So if it took another couple of weeks, that would kind of make sense with the original um, diagnosis, prescription, whatever. Do you think he would have, you know, said, all right, well, here's my best chance to win a ring. If that's what I really want, it's hard to imagine even Philadelphia providing a better path than a, a healthy Nets team. Yeah, I think I think what you're saying is would Harden have dogged it if things turned around? And I suspect no, for the simple fact that I, I don't think there's any precedent for a guy completely disengaging as his team is contending towards the championship. So maybe Harden would have been the first, but it seems like when a guy wants out, when he starts disengaging from the team, you know, the, it's always coincides with a team that is going nowhere. So I've got to believe if all of a sudden things turned around, they were winning, they put together a few wins, Harden rediscovers his touch. I just don't see him kind of um, quitting on the team in, in that instance. Yeah, I don't but I think either. Yeah. Yeah, so I think they probably just, you know, I think a big part of it was they, they got a deal they liked and, you know, they combined that with the odds of all of these things working out this season combined with whatever slippage they've seen from Harden this season, which we've gone over in detail. So, you know, all those things together, Durant giving their blessing. I think they just decided, you know what, Let, let's roll the dice. I think, have you ever had uh, a friendship where you get along really, really well with one guy and you get along really, really well with another guy. But when the three of you hang out, there's bickering. Yes. I, yes, kinda, I, I can relate to that. I kind of feel like that might be the case here. If Kyrie wasn't in the picture, you know, let's say they magically traded Kyrie for Ben Simmons. I think they're James Harden and Kevin Durant would not have had this cold war. And, and other the other way around, like we've heard that, Joe Varden wrote that report that Kyrie was burning sage when they visited Cleveland, the team that drafted him to cleanse some spirits. Um, I know he connects with indigenous peoples and James Harden was looking at him in the locker room. Like he had three heads and a source said Varden reported there was a weird vibe between them. Um, so I think the first couple days, it felt like James Harden has a problem with Kyrie and it's all related to the vaccine. And that was the narrative that has certainly changed now where I feel like something going on with between James and Kyrie became a problem. And then James's response to that became Kevin Durant's problem as it was wrote about like a cold war that went on for months. That seems pretty uncomfortable in the locker room. I imagine when Bruce Brown talks about a new vibe, there's a sense of relief. Oh good. There's no more awkward moments in here. Finally, let's all enjoy. Um, Fisher also reported that, that may have been the final moment Durant and Harden were aligned, referring to Kyrie's uh, sort of return. Durant lobbied to scrap the organization's stance that to play, Irving needed to comply with New York City's coronavirus vaccination requirements. So this makes it sound like Katie said, you know what, we really need Kyrie, and Harden uh, was maybe not aligned with that. Yeah, that's, that's entirely possible. I think... Um... You know, for Harden, he's probably going through these things with Durant and Kyrie, trying to sort his where he fits into all of it. And then as this is going on, 
he has his free agency coming up and he has the other team, which he has long been rumored to like or prefer as a destination, probably actively recruiting him while they're also winning and his team is losing. And, you know, his old boss is there. His old owner is there. He knows he's comfortable. He knows what he's getting. He's watching Embiid. His team is losing game after game. He knows he can delay and, a flight if he wants to, you know, play a little blackjack for the night. <laughs> he knows he's going to be coddled to some extent, more so than he is where in this current situation. And he probably just, you know, it's it's tempting, right? I mean, it's not totally unrelatable. And um, he probably just looked at it and he said, you know, what? there's a really good chance I'm going to go in a few months. Why wait? Yeah, it said, but Durant had been discouraged by Harden since the Nets arrived in San Diego for training camp, according to sources familiar with both players. Um, there's a little bit of wiggle room in this. Like, it could be that the f- that may have been the final moment they were aligned. That could mean they were aligned on the decision to bring back Kyrie, but it, I, I lean the other way, that they were not aligned on that, and the final moment came before that decision. Um, cause this makes it sound like Harden didn't want any part-time players and he liked the original decision that doesn't match with the idea that he was all in to win a championship. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder how much of it is, is kind of revisionist where it's like the more frustrated you become in the situation, the more you take umbrage with the decisions that led to your frustration, you know, as opposed to. Yeah as opposed to drawing a hard stand on any one thing, uh, you, you kind of, you kind of um, revise the situation to, to what it's become. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's puzzling for sure. I think we're all surprised it happened so often in the NBA, there's smoke, but no fire. And in this case, you know, we got everything we could ever ask for as far as a blockbuster trade. And the reviews have been mixed. I'll ask you, how do you feel the Nets did um, as it as it shapes their team presently and moving forward on the trade? I see. I think they did well. Um, I think if you really thought there was a, a chance that you could lose James Harden and not even get a sign and trade, um, then this is very good because the precedence for getting a lot back this much back for an expiring contract is not great. Um, now you have made the point that you don't think James Harden would have taken that deal where he gets 209 million or whatever it is for a four year deal to change teams. That's the scenario where the Nets got nothing back. Um, you think more likely he opts in and then he requires Brooklyn cooperation to get what he wants to leave. And then you could have fallen back, assuming Ben Simmons was still on the Sixers, assuming Daryl Morey didn't have another deal lined up last Thursday, um, a player of his caliber. But with all of that and the idea that you do actually have this warring faction, this triumvirate, um, it's a pretty good return. I mean, Seth Curry has already shown that he's a really good piece and that maybe if he had a slightly different role than he had in Philadelphia, which is extremely slow-paced, um, He's already made a couple comments that he's been out of breath playing. He hasn't played at this type of pace in a while. He's a good player. You know that I'm higher on Ben Simmons and the general public in Philadelphia or the NBA at large. Um, 
I think the Sixers have done some things in the past to hold him back, you know, namely marrying his minutes when Joel Embiid sits with a, a big, like a Greg Monroe or Dwight Howard, uh, which is, you know, glaringly suboptimal for a player with his unique skill set. And then when Joel, when they married his minutes under Doc Rivers with Joel Embiid, putting him almost exclusively in the dunker spot, I don't think was ideal for him either. Ben Simmons had some comments about this at his opening presser. He talked about, I envision what we used to have in 2018. Um, JJ Redick, Marco Bellinelli, or Sonny Lee where we're maximizing everyone's skill sets. And you could read between the lines there that Philly wasn't maximizing me recently. Um, I think the Nets have a chance to tap into some of that in a point forward role and a Draymond Green type of role in a, in a way the Sixers didn't. The Sixers really ne- never had a player like a Durant or a Kyrie who could just take a Simmons screen and hit a pull up three, which could unlock Simmons as a short roller. Um, so I, I think they did well in landing him. I think a lot of fans, you know, Nets fans probably made fun of Ben Simmons over the years. You've seen those signs like this jump shot is missing. Um, but I, I do think he's he's a really important part of their future, and he's under contract. He's 25, and he'll he'll be here now unless they want to trade him this summer, which is another component of it um, for the next four years. But then, if a guy like if it doesn't work the rest of the season, and a guy like Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard is on the table, you you do have a package that Daryl Morey was hoping could land one of those guys as well. So, not, not a bad return. I do think the picks will be important. I think it was very interesting that they didn't try to use those picks and trade a guy like Joe Harris. We got an update yesterday from Steve Nash that everything is on the table in terms of him returning or him getting a season ending surgery. Um, so I think that decision was more future oriented than now. Um, wouldn't have been surprised if they tacked on one of those picks with Joe to, uh, to replace Joe with a guy they know will be in the lineup like a Covington or something. Yeah, I think, you know, we can probably um, infer that they looked around for a deal, would be my guess, and just didn't see anything that they felt was a good move in the moment. But I agree with you on the return. Uh, The only thing I'll say is, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the, the ancillary pieces of the deal, Drummond, Seth Curry, the picks. And, you know, those are nice pieces. I've watched a lot of Sixers games. I can tell you Seth Curry is a really good shooter. He's a good player. In the playoffs, it's tough when they key in on him. It's tough for him on defense. Drummond gets played off the court quite a bit in most matchups, although he will be useful, I think, if they play the Sixers. Um, but that being said, you know, I think, I think this deal was as much about Harden as it was the pick of uh, the return. I think we can safely say that this was not a deal they envisioned making at any time up until very recently, nor did they want to make. But I think the the idea of everything that they gave up, all the draft picks, all of the, you know, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, all of that, the, the idea of, of just getting nothing back was probably just uh, too scary to to move forward with. So I think, like you said, they have now they have now assets, if nothing else. They can say, you know, we gave up our draft picks, we gave up these players, but here's what we have in return. Ultimately, it's Ben Simmons, it's two picks, 
it's Seth Curry and it's Drummond. Yeah, it's it's what they have is not as good as the Scary Hours Dream, Harden, Kyrie, KD, full time, all of them. But the reality at some point became that they do not have that. So then a better question is, was that status quo with Kyrie part-time and James with a wandering eye who might actually leave? Is this better than that? And I think the answer is yes. Zach Lowe talked about, you know, a lot of teams look around and they say, both teams improve, that stinks. But whew, we are so relieved that this, this Nets team did not work out because that was going to, that was like a multiple championship team. So it's fair for fans to be disappointed and then say Sean Marks, made the most of a crummy situation. Both teams sort of had a mess and turned to each other and said, let's swap it. And then it's no longer a mess for either of us. So let me ask you this, Kevin Durant, obviously it's his team. It's his franchise. He has, you know, he he's, he's, he's the guy. It didn't, it hasn't worked out. He, he, he lobbied for Harden and, you know, it fell apart. How much of this do you put on him? And just, you know, the idea that as a leader or as someone who kind of galvanizes his team chemistry-wise, seemed like he had a falling out with Draymond Green on the way out of Golden State. He gets hardened in there. It hasn't worked out. Now, obviously, him and Kyrie have stood by one another. But how much of this do you feel like Maybe you look at Durant a little bit and wonder why he couldn't salvage this. Yeah, I've defended Kevin Durant in terms of his decision to leave Golden State. I think it's silly that people say, I can't believe he left Steph Curry when it's so obvious that he he didn't leave Steph Curry because he didn't think he could play. He left to start something new with his friend and he wanted to win a title similar to the way that LeBron James went to Cleveland after Miami. Let me go win my most meaningful ring. Um but because he did that with Kyrie, who he bonded with over a summer, um, I think at some point when we zoom out, you know, in a few years from now, we could say his relationship with Kyrie did hold back his total ring count that he could have wound up with. So, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll judge him in that regard at some point down the line. Certainly, I think if you're looking at this as basketball matters the most and winning championships matters the most and his life is less important. It's probably not the way he looks at it. You might have said something that we have touched upon in the past that maybe he should have just gone in on James and said, Oh, look, is Kyrie frustrating you? Let me talk to Joe Sy and Sean Marks about trading Kyrie for whatever we can get or revisiting that in the summer. Would that make you happier? If they had sort of rolled out that red carpet, not saying James Harden deserved one the way he was playing and acting. But had they done that, it might have ultimately been better for Kevin Durant's championship odds in a Brooklyn uniform. Maybe you could judge him for that. You know, I'm not really one to do that. Just not the type of fan I am. Um, I, I do, I do appreciate the human element, and you want to play with stars, but you want to play with stars you really like playing with. And I, I sort of give him uh, the benefit of the doubt on following his heart there. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I, I do think that's fair. If he if he had a cold war with James and he does not judge Kyrie for Kyrie's vaccination stance, then how can you really be mad at him for for getting for feeling the way he did? Assuming these reports show us even an inkling of how he was feeling, we're all just we're just sort of trusting the reports, but who knows? 
Yeah, it'll, it'll you know, as, as uh, Zach Blow and others said, it will go down as the greatest um, super team that never was. I mean, I think when that trade happened, it just felt like, it just felt like the next four or five years were going to be all about the Brooklyn Nets. And it still might be. I mean, if Kyrie is full-time and uh, Durant stays at the top of his game and Ben, ben Simmons even scratches the surface of his potential, then, you know, there's no reason this team can't win the, win the whole thing. If they do, um, if they do somehow win the whole thing over these next couple of years, I think that they'll value it more than it had they done it with James Harden because they won't have that super team asterisk that some fans put on. You know, I know some of our New York Knicks buddies have said Kevin Durant won a cupcake chip by bandwagoning on a 73 win Warriors team. It's gonna, I can't fully respect him until he wins one on his own. And then they said, I can't do that now that they have another super team that's unbeatable. Uh, if, if they win a championship without James Harden, I think it'll be difficult for anyone to say there's any possible asterisks on that now. Definitely true. We, we've talked a lot about where the Nets fit in the hierarchy of the Eastern Conference. Um, let's assume for a minute that Kyrie is a full-time player by the time uh, April rolls around. Where, where would you say the Nets fit right now? Because the East is as loaded and as deep as I ever recall it being. And I'm, I'm wondering how you see this as far as uh, power rankings. So Kyrie is magically full-time tomorrow. And then they get a, a, a seed that sort of matches that. Like, I think they could catch some of these teams if he was available. But in real life, I don't think they'll be able to without him. Does that make sense? Well, let, let, let's just say he's full-time by April. And, um, you know, the Nets are somewhere between three and six. Three and six in the seed? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, they're like three and a half games behind the Bucks without Kyrie. I don't know that they would get catch that. But I guess I'd put him above the Bulls. I, I'd put him behind the Bucks. Um. I probably put them above the Heat, although that's tough. They're probably close with the Heat and Sixers at this point. You you got to factor in a learning curve for figuring this out with Ben Simmons, who hasn't played since June, and you're not sure what he's going to look like. Um, if all of a sudden he was out there in a monster game seven and a team was sending him to the free throw line, you have questions about how he'll react under that type of pressure. There was some reports that he – he said he didn't feel he had the chance to make those mistakes in Philadelphia being drafted to such a good team. Um, so for those reasons, you might give the benefit of the doubt to a team like the heat who have continuity. They went to the finals in the bubble. They've only improved since then with Tyler heroes emergence. They added Kyle Lowry. Um, there's just, there's these teams are not unbeatable like them in the Bucks, but they do have this, this chemistry factor that the Nets can't even consider at this point. But yeah, I agree. Definitely there, in that top four. There's gonna be there's gonna be a couple really good teams that don't get out of the first round. Because yeah. you know, you you even look at the bottom half of that bracket with Boston and Atlanta and you know 
even even the Cleveland, Sixers, it's Bulls. like Cle- Cleveland, the Bulls. Um, it's just gonna be it's just gonna be really tough to to even win a round or two. Yeah, the Celt- the Celtics look like a juggernaut right now. They've won nine or ten in a row. Five thirty eight has them as finals favorites overall. I don't know if I agree with that, but still, <laughs> it's I mean, crazy. Um, <laughs> we got to touch upon this. Uh, the so the background is NBA Commissioner Adam Silver has basically said he doesn't really understand our status quo. That in terms of mandates, a road player can perform in a city that has mandates. Uh, which obviously speaks to the Kyrie Irving situation. Why can Justin Holiday play at Barclay Center? He's unvaccinated, but Kyrie Irving cannot. He's unvaccinated. One lives in New York, and somehow he's less blah, blah, blah. Governor Hochul at the state level has said, you know, she's willing to pull back on these for businesses and get, make that optional. Um, I don't understand exactly how the politics works, but I think now it's up to Eric Adams, who has said... I don't love the mixed messages it would send to just change the rules, but I don't think that it's fair that Kyrie Irving can't. He even joked that like maybe a Boston Celtics fan made this rule. So by far the most, you know, phrasing momentum that we've seen that people are not on board with this and there could be change. If you were to say that if the numbers continue the way they are locally, that there would be a change to this rule and Kyrie Irving could play full time within a few weeks I don't think you would be off base to make that prediction at all. What do you think? No, I agree. Um, and it, it even felt to me like he was, um, you know, setting, setting up for that. Uh, obviously maybe, maybe it was too much to say all at once. So he's kind of staggering the reveal, if you will. And that, you know, now if, if he were to lift the mandate, it, it would almost be expected. So I I wouldn't be surprised if it's already kind of in the works and the timeline that's set. It's just not known by the public yet. And he's sort of um, setting the stage for that. You know, you, I mean, if you just look at, at the nation as a whole, it feels like that's where everything's trending. And so if that were to happen, um, you know, it'll obviously be great for the Nets, be great for Kyrie and great for all basketball fans. Because as as uh, Adam Silver said, you know, and, and we've said, the rule never made any sense. It was never fair. And uh, my only surprise was that they're just now acknowledging that. Yeah, you know, if it doesn't change soon, there are these sort of scary scenarios where the Nets could host a game without Kyrie Irving or they'd have to play at the Knicks or at the Raptors and they don't have him there either. A lot of those bottom of the bracket type of scenarios don't work out in the Nets' favor. The ideal scenario is he can play by March 1st, he's back, and they have time to develop chemistry. It's funny, Steve Nash has talked all season long, like we have 10 new players, we don't have one, when are we going to have continuity? And he might not get it at all this season with all of these new these new players. Um, but if, if he got that chance, it would make them a lot more dangerous. We, uh, we also have to talk about what happened in the last game, Cam Thomas's breakout at Madison Square Garden, um, just a ridiculous performance. They were down by 28. The Boston Brigade did not let their team down. It was one of the first times I thought, man, these Nets fans have showed out at the Garden. It's usually the other way around where it's bing bong maniacs at Barclays. Um, but this was this was something else, man. What did you think of that performance? 
incredible performance. Whenever there's a comeback like that, it takes two. Obviously, one side has to completely choke, and the other has to have an incredible performance. <laughs> and when you get the two, you get something like last night. But for Nets fans, I mean, yeah, it's exciting. You might have another young guy that um, has a bright future ahead of him. Looks like he's like a really talented guy. Um, high confidence level, creative, good score. So it's exciting. Score one for GMKD, who supposedly had, was instrumental, according to Jake Fisher, in drafting him and then holding him through the trade deadline. Yeah, that's that's a feather in his cap. He's obviously been criticized lately for his uh, GMing skills. If, if he, in fact, pushed for the Harden deal, as is widely reported. But I think, you know, obviously some of these star players that have influence on front office moves, it doesn't always go well, as we've seen with the Lakers this year. But Durant, you know, he may have, he may have an eye for, for talent. I had to say it looked like some of the happiest he's looked in a very long time celebrating on the sidelines yesterday, jumping around with Andre Drummond, celebrating Cam's step back game winner uh, at the garden. And a couple of those plays like pulling back, drawing two from Quentin Grimes and Mitchell Robinson, and then dishing it to uh, the open player LaMarcus for big, big mid range corner office jumpers. Um, the, definitely as Bruce Brown said, and we've talked about a, a better vibe now, and it seems like the Nets are really excited to be playing together. Um, you could just imagine how excited they'd be if Kyrie Irving could suddenly play all the time and then Kevin Durant could get healthy, even without Joe Harris's return. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, uh, seems like the Nets have the, the, the highest amount of variance built into their roster and their season where this thing could go so many different ways, depending on who's available, what the policies are in New York City, everyone's health, physical and mental. And uh, there's, just, there's just no way to know how this is going to go. Coming up on time, so I have to put these two really, really important pieces of content in a lightning round. Um, but that's the nature of covering nets right now. There's so many bombshell stories. You can't get into this stuff that another team would normally, but real quick, is there any buyout candidates you have your eye on? Are you hoping they get someone like Derek favors or Robin Lopez or Goran Dragic? You know, all those guys would be good. Um, what's, what's, uh, what's the guy on, is it Orlando's Gary, Gary Harris? Uh, Gary Harris, that'd be a nice, that'd be a yeah. nice pickup for the Nets. Um, wouldn't be surprised if they target him. He's a good defensive player, and um, you know we'll see. I'm sure they'll be active, but I'm sure they'll also have a lot of competition. And uh, you know, I've heard Goran Dragic. There may be a reunion with Miami or Milwaukee. So it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough. And this is not this is not meant for lightning round. This we could talk about this next week, but Zach Lowe said, "Is it crazy that we're not talking about where Kyrie's going to be playing next year? Uh, if you had to give a percentage guess, the chances that Kyrie will be back on the Nets for next season, given where we're at in terms of the mandates and all that, and he had he has the ability to either opt into one year or opt out and be an unrestricted free agent." 
Where do you see Kyrie next season at this point? How confident are you that he'll be back? You know, if you would have asked me that a week ago when there was a little more, a little less clarity on the future of the mandates and James Harden was still on the team, I would have probably said below 50%. But now with Harden gone and, you know, the mandates possibly lifting in the next couple of weeks and him really being, you know, KD's not only friend, but clear now number two co-star on the team. I think he's almost certainly back with the Nets. Do you think uh, if, if there was no resolution to mandates that they would offer him a four or five year deal uh, as a part-time player, hoping that that would change at some point or hoping he, there would be a resolution in some form? Or do you think he would opt in to give them all another six months to a year to think about it? That's a good question. I mean, trying to predict what Kyrie Irving's going to do with his contract seems like seems like a, a futile experiment. <laughs> if I were him, I would just but... <laughs> down and want the five year deal. Um, that would be like two hundred and seventy million or something, or at least that's what it was for Harden. The opt in and might get you a little bit more on the back end, but uh, then you have to wait six months to get the extension. So. Tough to say. Yeah, I mean, when Kyrie has played, he's been lights out. I mean, ever since, even in his three seasons now at the Nets, he's been great when he's out there. Now, you haven't been able to rely on him. There's no question about that. And now you throw in this monkey wrench with the mandates. So if that's still there and it's not clear when it's going to be lifted, I don't see how you can give him a five-year deal knowing he can't play home games. But I guess my expectation is that it will be lifted and that that will make it a, a pretty easy choice for the Nets, um, especially, you know, with the leverage of, of Durant wanting him to be there. It's hard. If they did, if he just left, it'd be hard to imagine KD wanting to stay in Brooklyn for the next four years on that deal. You'd start to wonder if he's going to get a wandering eye and win one more chip somewhere if they're not a championship caliber team, assuming they wouldn't be if Irving left. But uh, you know, something for us to think about down the road. We don't have to pick up that headache. Are you, are you breaking a story? Do you want to, is there something, is this an exclusive that you'd like to, or, t- or are you just like, in terms of what? <laughs> Katie's future. I mean, now's a great time. If, to- if I told you that Kyrie, that nothing <laughs> changed and the team didn't want to offer him a five-year deal, like you just said, it'd be tough to do. And he left to play for a city where he could play wouldn't you start putting a clock in your head of KD's wanting out at some point? Well, it's a lot of ifs, obviously. Yeah. In this very outside, who knows, hypothetical. Um, I, no, you know, I, I think, I think what Durant has wanted most is his own team and in his own, in his own city. And I think he has that now. So my guess would be, even if Kyrie left, that uh, he would, you know, th- there's going to be players that want to come play with him, that want to be in New York. The Nets are, you know, they're a, they're a cool team. They've got a lot of, a lot of things to offer. I think, I think the move would be, okay, let's reshuffle the deck. We have Ben Simmons. We have a couple other guys. And, and let's, let's find our next star. I think Kyrie's going to stay somehow or another. Um 
through next year. I don't know. Maybe it's the opt-in route or maybe it's the mandate change and they just drop them a five-year max. But, you know, I was wrong about this on Harden, which sort of almost makes me more confident now. It's like, if you just keep betting on players to take the most money possible, uh, you'll be right in the long run. And KD and Kyrie have shown that they want to play together. Kyrie absolutely loves living in the area he grew up in. So I think that's the safest bet at this point. I'm with you, but, um, you know, everything will become a lot more clear in the next few months. It's going to be uh, a wild finish and it should be a great, great playoffs. Yeah. If, if this team ends up as like a seven C they're going to be, you're going to, some coach is going to need an ambient to, uh, to game plan for them if they were fully healthy at that point. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Not your, not your granddaddy seven seed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of, of seventh and eighth seeds that would be as horrifying a matchup for a high seed going back. I mean, obviously there was the fame, infamous eighth seed Knicks in 99, but this is a whole other, this is a whole other beast. But th- that was more of a Cinderella story. This is more of like, oh, they, we already knew they were kind of a super team. They just never played together. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I mean, if you, yep. Okay. We'll wrap it up there. We'll wrap it up. Great stuff. And uh, looking forward to your maybe getting some like X's and O's opinions out of you next week. Who knows? We'll see. I hope so. I hope, I hope we can talk about more stuff on the floor, but this team never gives us a, a chance to catch our breath. Can you, can you believe we didn't even get a chance to talk about Ben Simmons breaking his silence since June 21st and talking about his mental health. Like that's that's where this uh, that's where we're at in terms of news stories, basically. That that could be its own pod. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to touch on it next week if it's still relevant. Yeah. All right, we didn't forget about that. So thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Take care, dude.